You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And joining me on the other line today to talk Karis LeVert's upcoming return, some Pacers' important stats at the halfway point regarding two of their starting players and previewing this week of games because we're pivoting into second half of the season content. Former Indie Corners writer extraordinaire Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? Have I been saying the title of your newspaper wrong for like, I don't know, ever? No, 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 no. They, they, uh, they asked me to to emphasize the West side part more often than the West Indy part, because it is more than just West Indianapolis between the cities. So that is new. That is new. Okay. All right. Go. Moment. But Adam, uh, since you mentioned it, yeah, please refer to me as West side community news from now on. <laughs> I'll try my best. Probably won't remember the first few times, but over time I will. Well, as I said, today we're starting with uh Karis Levert stuff. Unclear exactly the date he'll be back, but we have, reporting from Jay Michael of the Indianapolis Star, as well as Shams Charania of The Athletic, that his return is, you know, soon to come either this month or, you know, soon after the All-Star break was the report from Jay Michael. Um, I don't know. That, that date is not exactly clear. And then, of course, Karis himself uh, posted on Instagram a picture of him in his Pacers gear, uh, five pictures of him in Pacers gear with the caption. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Soon emoji, an hourglass emoji. And I already forget the third one. But anyway, his return is coming sometime soon. Uh, it could be in a week, could be in two days, who knows. But I think talking about how he can help this team and where he'll slot into the rotation and things like that is a good leaping off point to kick off the second half of the season because that's a big story that it could potentially change their season outlook, right? Like a lot of the discussion of this team, like there are ways they can get better. We've covered them here. We've talked about how they've been bad and how they can get better. But the lowest hanging fruit is... Warren and Levert eventually will come back and Levert sounds like we'll be very soon. So let's start with, with how he helps this team get better. And where is the, what is the biggest area you feel like when Karras is on the court that he will make this Pacers team better playmaking? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, They need either somebody who can be on the bench as kind of that, like I want to call it third score. I mean, I'm thinking of bench unit right now. My mind is like, one of Holiday McDermott stuck next to probably Aaron Holiday and maybe like even a Sabonis. And we need that third guy who can kind of either space the floor or just create some more scoring. He does that. And even in the starters, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of a lineup where he slots in over McDermott, which we'll talk about where we think he should go, who he should replace. But just like that thought all of a sudden creates a, like a much better starting lineup that has some size, some defensive ability that is a little bit, you know, higher ceiling and all, and uh, all of a sudden they've got, you know, two and a half playmakers considering whatever you call like Brogdon. Yeah. The 18 and a half points a game, obviously very appealing. And that's in a pretty low minutes average, by the way, like he played 28 minutes a game with the Nets. I imagine once he's like up to speed, given the way Bjorkren is that he will, uh, he will be, be playing more than that. Should we take uh, bets over under on 32 <laughs> minutes once he's fully back? Like, 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 we'll take three weeks after he starts. Does he end up, is he 32 minutes per game or more over under? I mean, yeah, probably over once he's fully into things, but not right away. So, right, he shouldn't take that long to get geared back into like full shape because he hasn't been off. He's been off eight right. weeks. Like, the way to view this is like, 
I mean, obviously, it's like any like kind of semi minor injury, right? Like, I mean, I got I mean, TJ McCall, right? I think he broke his foot eight weeks ago, right? And he'll return pretty soon. Same concept, right? So he should he should be able to get into shape decently quick in a decent time frame. The question for me is more like how he fits, right? I mean, he yeah. never played with these guys, right? It's not like he has played with the Patriots for two and a half years and come back and fits right in and knows all the all the guys. He's like coming up from injury and then has to figure out how does he play with Brogdon, how he plays a bonus, who likes this cut, who likes that cut, and so. Take a little bar. So for some perspective, uh, obviously, you know, the the appeal that we always discuss is 18 and a half points per game, six assists per game. Those are great numbers. Again, you only played 28 minutes a game in Brooklyn. So if you go to per 36 to make them a more even field, that's 24 points per 36. The Pacers leaders are Brogdon at 21.4 and Sabonis at 20.5. So he, he he's a fantastic dynamic scorer, um, decent enough shooter, decent enough at the rim, really crafty floater game. It's just kind of diverse. It's not quite as like the Warren level of like just mid-range freak, but he has a lot of spots that he's really good from. And then that assist number per 36 this year was almost eight, 7.8 per 36, which uh, McConnell obviously breaks every per minute assist at ever um but that would be the second highest on the team brogdon's at 6.3 so playmaking i agree with you is the number one thing because i I think Harris is really good but i still feel like sabonis will be be used as that hub so he won't need to be and brogdon's a threat right like the the nets had like no Kyrie for a lot of his time there and no kd for some of that as well they didn't have Harden yet obviously so he's asked to score a lot more i think he'll be more useful for this pacers team as as like a balanced score facilitator and and a guy that can make plays and you know Justin Holiday and McDermott can score you know Holiday shooting really well McDermott's putting on the floor but they're definitely not playmakers right McDermott occasionally can set up Sabonis for something but Justin Holiday is like I don't I don't know if he has have like productive setup past the whole season so I think that's where it'll help a lot just another threat there that can see the floor really well and I think that you know, his, his production could almost be understated if once he gets his his minutes up and going, like I said, because those per 36 numbers are really gaudy. So if he can just shoot okay, I think that he's going to be really helpful offensively. Yeah, so I think he should start over McDermott. Do you disagree with that? Or, I mean... Yeah, I'm thinking because, well, you brought up the stat. I'll let you get to that in a second. So intuitively, yeah, I think so because... I think him and Justin Holiday are the two best wing defenders they'll have until Warren comes back. I guess Brogdon's probably better than Karras, but uh, Brogdon will probably remain on point guards. But he, he's an okay wing defender, uh, and Holiday's shooting will make his playmaking all the more valuable, right? So that could probably be the best fit on the wings until Warren is back. Um it's harder to find those McDermott Sabonis minutes, but that kind of has deflated in value recently, right? That was a big reason uh, we pushed for McDermott to start over Aaron holiday for a while is because we wanted that offensive burst to be back in the starters. And for like a few weeks, it was, I would say like uh, very late January to mid February. It was kind of helpful. And then McDermott shot disappearing means he's defended a little different now. And those things have been kind of cut off. So maybe moving him to the second unit uh, where he can be a little more gunslingery would be helpful for him. It when Karras is back. Um, so intuitively, yeah, I agree with you. I think McDermott's the guy you start him over, but something you dug up earlier that makes you push back is Justin holiday. If it's really well with a certain bench player. Yeah. So what do you pull the old, uh, don't start Justin holiday, but play him 35 minutes. So you're basically <laughs> starting him. You just, you just start her anything but name. Um, trying to think of like the rhino version of that. Anyways, that the political joke, I won't go farther on that one. Um, so 
Justin Holiday boosts up his brother, and I think in a way that like I don't know why. I mean, it, it actually it shows in the statue that right. That's the Pacers' best two man lineup is Justin and Aaron Holiday. When you do kind of filter of over two hundred and fifty minutes played together, they're at a plus eight point three. And I don't know if it's just like the familiarity or um, they fit well together just because they both kind of have skill sets that kind of complement each other. But it's something about the two of them together helps Aaron Holiday go from being like a pretty bad player to like somebody who's actually playable. So I wonder if there's something in that where you'd rather put Holiday on the bench to boost the other Holiday. You can still close with the five guys we talked about, you know, LeVert, Justin Holiday, because Justin Holiday is their best wing defender. And maybe McDermott in a limited, you know, playing less minutes can get a little more offense going with the starters i mean he's been better so like the last his last six games mcdermott is back up to shooting you know about 50 40 90 it's like 48 and a half 40 and 90 and 91 percent. so he's been better as a late i think mcdermott is kind of he's just kind of a uh it's almost it's kind of streaky at times right he's up and down he can have you know he'll have a three it's more streaks than not streaks but he'll have a three or four week stretch where he'll be really good and then maybe one or two where he's so bad it drags his percentage back down but he comes back so I don't know. I mean, McDermott, I think, will write the ship eventually over time. There, there's a hilarious circumstance where the law of averages hits McDermott really hard, and he shoots like 50-something percent from three in the second half of the season. That would be yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at his last, like, like tw- I think it was the last 10 games, he's got like three or four 20-point games, which is a lot yeah. for a guy like him. I mean, he's playing more minutes, so that helps. But A lot of it's at the rim, which is the impressive part. But to, to, to stick on the point we started it with, the argument for starting him over Justin Holiday is as you described. And as we talked about earlier this season, one, it keeps McDermott and Sabonis together for the most possible minutes, which is a threat off of Levert. Like, let's say Levert is doing his thing on the right side. He can swing it over to McDermott off of Sabonis. Boom, that two-man game's rolling like that. That's appealing. And you get the, the best bench combo you can with the Holiday brothers plus McConnell. I think their net rating together as a trio is really good. Uh, but like you said, the duo is really good. I do think Justin gets a lot out of Aaron because of the family stuff. Uh, obviously, that, that you know, there's some value there that other teams can't possibly extract from those guys. But also, they're just good fits. Like, stylistically, you know, Justin is just going to run around and catch and shoot, whereas Aaron needs the ball. They fit very well offensively together. They're both, you know, up in your face on defense. Justin's obviously much better, but Aaron's Aaron's okay on D. Uh, for his size, he's good. He's just very tiny. So, they're good fits together. And not that McDermott can't do a lot of the fit of 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 Holiday there of the things I just said. But he's a worse defender. Uh, they, he, they don't have the same chemistry. So uh, that are, there, are, I guess there are arguments for both sides. But I think personally, my starting five when Levert is back, and maybe they do the thing they did with Vic last year. I really hope they don't. Oh God, uh, that would be that was I, so dumb. <laughs> I really hope they don't. But maybe they like ease them in. But I uh. hope that they game one go. Uh, with Brogdon, Lavert, Justin Holiday, and the two centers, and they're starting five, and then a bench of McDermott, um, McConnell, maybe not even Aaron Holiday. <laughs> maybe you stick with Sumner if you're not worried about Justin Holiday and him um, and Lamb. But we'll see what they do. But I think that is what makes the most sense. God, you just gave me such hard flashbacks to that. Now I remember why I wanted Millen not to be the coach. Oh. That Vic, like playing him six minutes in each it, quarter. I'm not going to stick no. that on. I'm not going to stick that on McMillan because of how many people were involved in that process of <laughs> so- how to ease him in. But yeah, he did he's gonna be the scapegoat because he actually was the one making the subs. Oh, that was the worst. Like yeah, I mean no sense. Somebody no has sense. to be in the room and like, why are we playing him with a different lineup every time? Like is what? he gonna be kind of screwed up when he can't get familiarity? Why don't we just play him six minutes with the starters and just every time we bring Brogdon in, wait three minutes and put Vic back in after that. Yeah. 
Like, why don't we just do that over and over again? It it's it was it's bad. It was, <laughs> it was so brutal. bad. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But the, the the thing is, there's a non-zero chance that they decide, hey, let's let's bring Karras off the bench, like forever. You know, they keep the same starting five and then roll with McConnell, Karras, uh, Jeremy Lamb, and someone else. I don't know. That's that's possible. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, and especially when they're fully healthy. And Warren kicks another wing back to the bench. I don't think it makes as much sense there, but we'll see. So I think he can really help. I mean, it's obvious he can really help offensively. You know, his stats speak for themselves. But, you know, as he grows and has a diverse shot profile, I just think he's unpredictable and unpredictable. And, you know, creativity and, you know, guys that you don't know what they're doing when they have the ball are, are just hard to guard. And his defense is is not good, but it's it's fine. His defensive box plus minus for his career is negative zero. Point one, which is basically average like that. That's that it's fine. So I'm not going to expect him to add value defensively. Um, if he replaces McDermott, that's still a plus on that end of the floor for the team. And I am expecting him to add a lot of creativity and variance to their offense. So I think he'll definitely be a help. The question is, how long does it take him to really get in the swing of things? So I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, I think the one thing worth mentioning, too, when you talk about Sumner versus Aaron Holiday is Sumner doesn't really hit a lot of the stats because he hasn't played enough minutes when I mean, you can do less minutes, but then it becomes kind of like does it mean anything? It's hard. I mean, you don't play about a hundred minutes. It's kind of like, it's really hard to kind of gauge, but um, there might be worth looking into because Sumner has been playing really good late. Like if you take, if you get rid of minutes, Sumner ends up showing up in a lot of top, top lineups because he's been really, really good. He's been on the court of the team because yep. defensively, he's been really good as of late and he's yeah. a pretty good defender. So yeah, I mean, there's, that's always a, a thought. Um, do you kind of run what you're talking about but instead of playing holiday, you play Sumner. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about uh, Terbonus because it's midseason. We talk about it all the time. Maybe a little too much. Maybe that's not true. Uh, it's probably the most important thing on this Pacer. It is. It right. is. I mean, it is the like the dis- most dis- important thing that's happened like with this team every single season. Pretty. It much. really is. There, look, there's a reason that they're in trade talks all the time because eventually it will end. Like it's inevitable unless it's really awesome in the playoffs this year. Eventually it will end. So let's let's check on them. See where things are at with the big man duo. But first, let's take a little break and start off by talking about Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew, who is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And... It ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills. No problems here. BlueChew's Slindenfail and Taldefil uh, tablets are chewable, so those tablets are made in the USA. Direct ship directly and is cheaper than a pharmacy. You could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform. Visit bluechew.com for more details and safety information and a special deal just for you guys. You can try Blue Chew free with the promo code locked on at checkout. Just pay that $5 shipping cost. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. All right, Turbonus again. We haven't done it. I haven't done it in a while. I think you've done it more recently than me. Um, we talk about. Like we talk about the solo Turner minutes a lot, which have been good. We talk about the solo Sabonis minutes less often, but they have also been good. And we haven't done Sabonis together for a while. So it's time to catch up on that. But I forgot to mention something at the beginning of this episode, which is that 
This episode is brought to you by CBDMD. Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done. Don't worry. Our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to unwind and sleep harder than all-star voters slept on Tamanta Sabonis before he got back in there. Um, they've got sleep PM bath salts, and which fuse CBD and melatonin with a future of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to make any bathtub a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you need. You go to CBDMD.com and use the promo code NBA. You'll get 25% off your purchase of any CBD products from CBDMD. Okay, Turbonus. Right now, Adam, they have played 770 minutes together and have only been outscored by 43 points. That doesn't sound so bad, but they play a lot together and the team is losing with them on the court. And I think that is kind of a high-level overview but tells a big part of the story. Yeah, so the team in general is about even. I mean, they're, I think they're... Eh, nah, not really. As a whole, the team is point is a point two net rating. Mine, they that is false. Um, <laughs> that is what best reference says. I know they round, I know you don't like that they round, I like rounding. It, it matters a lot because, like, all right, give me the stat that give me your, your on paper <laughs> calculated by hand net rating stat for the Pacers. I mean, let me push my glasses up before I, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the guy who barely can calculate <laughs> our some some certain math problems we've had. Um, somehow, yeah, I, that, I, yeah. I nail okay. the net. Okay, they have scored 1,728 points. The Pacers have with those two on the floor on 1,567 possessions this season. That's an offensive rating of 110.3. My brain is tricked to say that 110 is like this amazing offensive rating. Uh, but in the current era of basketball, that's that's okay. That's fine. Uh, defensively this year, 177, 1,771, excuse me, points allowed on 1,567 possessions. I'll take my glasses off now. That is a 113 defensive rating so they're about minus 2.8 uh on the season per 100 possessions and the offense is fine and the defense at 113 is not good and that's actually kind of surprising because Turner's so good on D and Sabonis can guard centers he's really not good at chasing guys around though so I guess it's not surprising in their current system but I think currently that's my biggest failing of the duo and why it's such a minus is because the way Bjorken wants to play with this aggressive, disruptive defensive style means Sabonis is just chasing dudes around, and he he can't do that. He just can't do that. Yeah, Sabonis getting torched defensively. I feel bad for him because he's asked to do so much offensively, and he's already running so much that it's like it's impossible, like uh, physically. Uh, it, I can't even think of the word to say. Like it, he, you can't be in good enough shape basically to do yeah, what the- he. Is asked to do the problem continues to be is they just like they don't perfectly fit, but the team isn't going to just downgrade to down. They're not going to make a move to make a move. I mean, we've seen that, right? Yeah, the move they're willing to make was to upgrade. They thought they, which seems to be right now, according to was an upgrade, and he's a very good player and probably would have been an upgrade in some ways. They're um, not just going to shuffle the deck chairs with those, yeah. Like, I mean, that's been a big thing. Oh, can you get Turner off the page or just a bonus? It's like, no, they're not going to make the move unless there's something better out there. And I think the problem is Sabonis has more trade value than Turner because Turner's not like good offensively, I guess. There's Sabonis, but Sabonis has like, you know, all NBA potential. While Turner probably has all defensive potential. At the same time, you don't necessarily want to just like get rid of Turner. You want to figure out how to package him in something better if you're going to do it. So they're just kind of the way they're probably going to be together. I honestly think probably the rest of their contracts. Then we'll see what happens. Cause I'm wow. one of them, but I, I just, about that. I, I just don't know a move that's out there. Um, we'll talk about the trade deadline tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can come back for a second. I just, I just don't, I, at least this year, I don't see a move being made. I just don't know why they would. They're, they're yeah. So the thing is, we see this around the league. Like some teams 
Like you just get the talent. You just do it, right? Because you want your team to be better. Even if the fit's a little awkward, you figure it out because talent is more important than not having talent. And that's why these two start together and play together is even if they don't fit perfect, they're both really damn good. And there's no point, like even if one of them is coming off the bench, you're going to be playing just as much together as they would if they'd be starting because they're both the two of or two of the best three or four players on this team. And they're going to merit 30 plus minutes. So talent is talent. They're going to play together, even if they're kind of an awkward fit. Uh, but like offensively with the struggles, you know, the, the fit doesn't seem like it should be as awkward on offense, which is why the 110 stands out a little bit, even though I think the defense is worse. And Turner's struggling from three this year, which is odd. You know, like, I, I know I kicked the, the – he's no longer a 3 and D label from him um, or last week or early this week. I forget when I did that. But he is shooting um, – like, outside of his rookie year, he's shooting a career low from three. Like, he's still slumping from there. So that's that's kind of atypical, but – the, when they're both on the floor, the team is shooting 35.5% from three, which isn't that bad. And they're shooting an okay percentage from two. They just, the, something they're doing is because their defense is bad. They're in the half court offense a lot. So, you know, they're not getting out in transition much and they kind of can't get in transition with two centers. You know, you're, you're, you're limited in what you can do there. They like try shot- with it sometimes they try to push it with him, but yeah, I like that. He pushes those actually end up being pretty good possessions, but yeah. Yeah, they get stuck in half court a lot. They don't force a ton of turnovers. Uh, that's actually a, a, something I would say the biggest str- struggle of this group. I want to find the exact number, but I'm struggling because apparently I'm terrible at this. Um, yeah, 224 turnovers in 770 minutes. That's that's not that many. So for opponents, that is. So that that's a way that that's a big part of of their struggles. Um, they're just. They're just like barely missing something. It's like they just can't quite get out on the perimeter with Sabonis. So they can't match up perfectly with the other team's crop of forwards or they, you know, the other, the other center is bullying Turner because Bjorkren isn't going to put Sabonis on that guy, or they don't have enough shooting on offense. They don't have enough, whatever. They, they're just, they're just a little short of everything they need this year. Yeah, it also doesn't help. And some of it's on Bjorkren too. But go ahead. Of their seven hundred something minutes, the other one hundred and fifty eight have been also with Lamb, and Lamb is the team's worst defender by far. Yes. It's kind of hilarious. So you'd go to like three man lineups and do defensive rating and find like rank them by the highest turns rate to lowest, and then you like kind of command F Lamb. Uh, his name shows up every, basically in like yes. eight of eight of the top t- ten worst defensive three man lineups. So uh, I said a lot about what he's how he's dragged down the team's defense. So I do wonder if there is some of that because there was Lamb starting for a tiny bit, and that probably maybe skewed this set a little bit because we're still at that point where those minutes could still kind of skew things just a tiny bit and maybe the net rating isn't quite 2.8 maybe it's more like negative 1.5 which is just it is better i mean that is slightly better um and i think too the you still don't want to give up on it until you've actually seen it with a completely healthy roster in a in a series right yeah last year maybe we'll see it this year where you get brogdon karis warren and those two but like there's just still this like carrot they're like well if everybody's healthy all at the same time it maybe can work because you get enough offense out of the the three kind of you know uh, front court ish kind of players i think it, right and so maybe it can work and then you can do enough defensively because you've got better defenders when you have warren and brogdon out there so that, that's also the kind of the whole problem with it is that you just got that yeah. little carrot of like what if it's 100 healthy <laughs> might never be but there's always that little carrot that you are right that lamb is just killing their net ratings they have a hundred so basically one seventh of their minutes 137 <laughs> he's, so, he's so bad 
137 of their minutes have been in this lineup with with Brogdon, Lamb, and Justin Holiday, and the two centers. 338 points allowed on 270 possessions. That is what they say. Uh, terrible, everybody. That is 125 defensive rating. Yeah, the lineup they have. So to play they have. They. If you, terrible. Ugh. I bet if you squeak out those minutes I just described, that's only 130 of their 700 minutes. They're probably positive. Like just just without that, because they have some good units. Like the starting five that we've seen for most of the season is a plus it's, it's a plus nine this season, like not per 100, like raw plus nine. That's not that much, but yeah. So it's like a, it's about an even it's about even, but that's a, it's a, in 200 minutes. It's a plus like that. You know, it's not lame giving up 125 points per hundred possessions lineup. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, so, lamb is, uh, lamb, lamb is, is actively hurting this team at this point. I mean, honestly, he's, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I think I mean, I it's play been that way for like three weeks now, but like, I, I think it's finally time to say it for real. Yeah. He has been really junk. I, their third highest lineup in minutes with 72, uh, is a minus 27, but it has all depot in it. I don't want to count that. So Yo, low key. If when Carson Beck is lamb, the odd man out. Yes. Yes. Oh, you think so? Like you're not, it's not even a hesitation there. Okay. That's okay. fair. I mean, if they pick Lamb over Sumner, I would be stunned. Would so be you got to, yeah. So Lamb will be the centerpiece of our tomorrow podcast. Yeah. About uh, yeah. You will hear Jeremy Lamb's name quite often, I think, tomorrow. I think, so, yes. Anyways, anyways. Yeah. We'll do the trade line tomorrow. But I think what we're getting at is uh, by, by getting into these weird, nuanced discussions of random players in the lineups, which is probably not that interesting. But the point of that, the thesis, and the interesting part is like, I think they do, like, we've seen them fit better together net rating-wise last year. So I think that there are a bunch of lineups with this roster that still work. And not having Warren's utility of able to guard bigger wings or, like, a scoring threat, even though Oladipo was still a negative with them for a lot of the season, not quite having the scoring threats they're used to is really hurting them more than anything they're doing in particular, right? Like, you, we see that in their solo minutes when they have just a tiny bit better fit at the four next to them. Like, they're both just kicking ass, right? So... I don't. I don't want to pin. Two, I don't want to look at their net rating being negative. Whatever I said, two point eight, and be like, "Oh, terrible disaster fail." Oh my gosh, like break it up. I they should probably break it up for other reasons, but uh, I think we can say that 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 can kind of be pinned on like they've really struggled to to have the right lineups around them due to injuries and uh, due to the way Bjorken wants to play. That probably would be my takeaway from this discussion. And going forward, it's okay if they if they really really want to play Bjorken's way, and I think they do. They'll either have to get the perfect fitting forwards around those two, or they're going to have to move on from one. And we'll see. I think they, they tried with Hayward, question. so we'll see. We'll still be what is actually out there that is better. I mean, that's the problem. Is I'm not sure there's a like. No one's selling anything this year. Well, yeah, but like, <laughs> we'll talk general, about this not, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There's not really like like any of the good forces league are so good they're not gettable, right? I mean, we're talking like Kawhi playing four, PG playing the four, <laughs> LeBron playing the four. Like, those guys aren't gettable. So, like, so then you're looking at, like, I mean, who is, like, who is the, the like, is Porzingis the worst tradable stretch four? And he's not even a stretch four. He's a center. So, I don't mean, like, there just aren't that many. I mean, Wait until you learn he's not that much better than either of them, and he's paid twice as much as both of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> he's been... He's been in and out of line with injuries. I mean, I, I mean, there's just, there's just like not like a four out there. It's not like some perfect player. I mean, sure, if they get Anthony Davis, they should do it, but they can't. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We will talk about this tomorrow, but I, I think that as, as we see this, this season evolve, I think they're both playing well. Like, they're both hitting their strengths pretty hard, and they're just, they have yeah, they, slight utilization issues that are making their, their net ratings really Turner tough. is likely going to be on one of the two all NBA defensive teams. No, he's not. You don't think he'll be second team all, all defense? Who has he been? Be- He's not been better than Embiid or Gobert on defense. So no, I, I was saying better better than Embiid slightly. No, 
he might have a case over Embiid. You're right. Embiid's, right, Embiid's right. MVP case is mostly offense. You're right. But if Embiid wins MVP, yeah. he's going to make all defense. Because... Okay. All right. You outright dismissed me. Then you walked back to my point. I know. Um... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm you're, sorry. Fine. you're fine. I just assume Embiid deserves it because he's probably leading MVP candidate right now, but it's mostly offensive. And Sabonis is probably like the fifth or sixth best center in the league right now. So he's probably not going to be all NBA, but he's close-ish. I mean, that, that's closer than he, to being like the bottom bottom of the league. Yeah, I'd have to rank the centers, but that that's probably yeah, somewhere right. five to seven, I think. If you were yeah, ranked. yeah, I'm trying to uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I did. I guess I shouldn't have written off Turner's case. Yeah, that was that was good though. I think that we can, and that's a good leapfrog point for the second half of the season. Is like, okay, are they doing anything different that's allowing those two to thrive together now, or can Karis, you know, help mask some of the issues they've had with those two on the floor? We'll see. Second half can be interesting, uh, and we're going to talk about their first two games in the second half because this is a weekly show, and the Pacers play. Friday and Saturday, so fun week preview action. Let's just take one more break and talk about their games against the Lakers, LeBron James' team, and the Phoenix Suns, a game that was canceled. But first, two people I want to talk about. First up, uh, Bilt Bar, the great people over at Bilt Bar, because we've been telling you about them for forever. They're making the best-tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. I hope you've tried them. Uh, They're amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing tasting protein bar 100% covered in chocolate and they are doing March Madness it's called Built Bar Madness on their website today's matchup is uh, they have two it's German chocolate versus salted caramel Uh, German chocolate's really good Adam I don't know if you have a favor of those two and mocha love versus uh, warm chocolate birthday cake I don't know if I have either of those so uh, you can go vote on builtbar.com or uh, at built underscore bar on Twitter and if you use the promo code lockdown20 at BuiltBar.com, you'll get 20% off your next order. You can try all these flavors to see which one you think is the best. Um, I, I don't know what I would pick to win, but Cookie Dough Chunk uh, has a very good chance to, to run away with this bracket. So that's Lockdown 20, 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who, who will win the best tasting protein bar. And, of course, the great people over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball, NHL, NBA in full swing, uh, you Pacers, you can get in on the action this weekend. IU basketball is going to get um, rocked very soon. You can bet on all that. Uh, they have a cover awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. Totally free to sign up. Head on over to that website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. With that code locked on at betonline.ag, betonline.ag, promo code locked on, your online sportsbook experts. Okay. Two games this week. We talked about how important getting off to at least a win in their first three games on this road trip they have with Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Denver, how important they would be. And I think the first game against LeBron James and the Lakers, amazingly, is their best shot at getting a win. So this game, super important. Uh, do we need to talk about Butchers if Anthony Davis isn't going to play? Because as good as the Lakers are, uh, without Anthony Davis, there are LeBron James and some very high-caliber role players. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't do Butchers. <laughs> LeBron would be the Butcher. It looks like – I doubt Davis is going to play. It doesn't seem like, didn't seem like they're not – You know, I don't want to be a doctor. I am notoriously bad at that, the predicting injury stuff, but I do not think he's going to play. Yeah, so, so when LeBron- it comes – LeBron's MVP light season. I guess he's probably not going to be right now, probably third in the running, but uh, 26 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. You know, it's a pretty solid stat line for a 36 year old man. Uh, he could play forever. I'm just convinced that LeBron James is going to play forever. So the Lakers, even without AD, 
not that AD is obviously not super important to their defense. I think since he's been out, they've lost, uh, looks like six of their last eight, seven of their last 10. It's a real opportunity here. So they, they're, they're struggling without him. But my, what I was, what I was trying to get to is their defense is ridiculous. Their first, the NBA and defensive rating. Again, a lot of that is Davis, but you know, they're, they're role players that I mentioned earlier, you know, in a, in a snarky way, but then like KCP is, is a decent on ball defender. Uh, Kuzma's getting better. Wesley Matthews is a great defender. Uh, Marcus Saul is a great, great defender. Coach too. Both one of the best, one of the best defensive coaches yep, in the league. Yep. Caruso, a uh, great defender. Markeith Morris is is no slouch, right? They they don't have and and LeBron's just so smart. He's always standing in the right spots, even though he doesn't try that hard in the regular season, right? So they they're still going to be good on defense uh, in this game, even if they don't have quite the uh, the chops. You know, they they lost the game to Miami ninety four to ninety six. Uh, with Davis out, they they held the Nets to 109, which in today's NBA is good. Uh, so th- they're still playing good defense uh, in this stretch without him. So th- their D is going to be good. Their offense is 18th e- the, over the course of the whole season. So even with Davis, they struggle on offense. So I think the key here is just going to be scoring in the half court because this pa- this Pacers <laughs> this Lakers defense is really good. So the Pacers need to find matchups they can exploit or sets they can they can go to to get those half court buckets. Yeah, speaking of half court, I mean the uh, my X factor, I guess, will probably Brock in this game. Ooh, interesting. Dennis Schroeder, uh, not necessarily a good defender, but that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you need somebody to control the half court offense, there's one yeah. guy in the team who's really good at it and can run the pick and rolls and get guys into the right sets and whatnot. And it's gonna have to be Brogdon to kind of jumpstart that. I imagine, like you said, it'll be guarded by Schroeder, which is like I think a favorable matchup at some in some ways. Um, Interesting to see where LeBron sits. I guess they'll probably throw him on Justin Holiday just to kind of play him. <laughs> let him coast. Yeah, because I mean you're not gonna put him on Turner Sabonis because he'll get well, at least with Sabonis, he'll get bullied around and Turner center doesn't really make sense. Um maybe put on Turner. I guess Turner got to the corner the entire time, so it makes some sense. Marcus Saul was out the last game the Lakers played before the break. Uh so who who knows what his health status will be. I mean, he's day to day in the health protocol, so he'll probably be back. Uh, Caruso also is dealing with neck pain. I'm imagining he'll be back. But anyway, I say this all to say their last game before the break, they started Schroeder, Markeith Morris, KCP, Kuzma, Damian Jones. LeBron didn't play as well. So maybe that's not the greatest example. But uh, Kuzma likely starter with um, – let's go to the game before against the Suns. But Kuzma is a likely starter uh, with AD out. I'm guessing they'll probably go Schroeder, LeBron, KCP, Kuzma, and Harrell, Montrez Harrell. Uh, but maybe Marcus Saul starts. I don't know. But you look at that group, that's like a lot of size. So I think any shifty quick guy could be killer for this Lakers team, unless Crusoe can shut them down. So TJ McConnell is my X factor this game. Lakers have a good bench. They've got good guys all over the court, but they're kind of a, a slower team. So TJ McConnell could be good in the half court, especially uh, just because he carves in the paint, gets those paint touches, makes the defense move. If he can uh, get you know his high assist game, make the Lakers defense be moving and, and broken down, I think he can uh, help the Pacers get a win. But will they win, Adam? Yeah, so should I zag off what I said yesterday and just say they're going <laughs> to win? Or should I no, just go I with what I think? Right, I think, I think we're too close to the schedule right now to actually, like, change our minds, right? If it'd be different, like, in, in a week. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. When yeah. we see Karis return, I can start going against what I picked in the, in the during our uh, How game. good would they have to be in these two games for you to be like, I'm changing my mind, they're going to beat Denver, you know, like, I, nothing will make me change my mind here. I think they lose both. Well, games. I think they'll beat Denver already, so I'm good. <laughs> Fair enough. 
So I um, think they lose. I mean, same. mostly because they've been crap since the start of February. The Pacers yeah. have been bad. So road in Los Angeles against LeBron. I mean, yeah. I just, that's, that's until it. they give me a reason to pick them against a good team, I'm not going to pick them against a good team. But uh, beating the Lakers would be pretty huge for their outlook. Getting wins that they're not supposed to get. They beat the Lakers if, last year. Remember they did. They did. They beat them at home. Even if Davis is out. Like the, when they schedule the game, you look at the Lakers and you go, "Oh, they're not supposed to win that, right?" When you when they beat them both times last them. year at home and in the bubble. Uh, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Goga blocks LeBron. Remember? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the bubble game was the best game in Pacers basketball. Probably will <laughs> we'll see in a long it was time. Very fun. That was like Warren. No, no, the Philly game and, was the best when Warren had fifty. But yeah, but Warren, Oladipo, and Brogdon were all really good at that game. Yeah, like that was the first time we saw all three of them play really well together. But anyways, I. So, I with Davis, if Davis is out, I gotta preface that like that. If Davis is out, they have a good chance to win, and it'd be really nice for this team's outlook if they did win. But again, they were trash from honestly the last day of January, that Philly fourth quarter, until the break. They beat crap teams and they lost every other game. So I have no reason to pick them to win, and I'm going to pick the Lakers. But knowing full well if this team puts together a forty, even a forty-five minute game instead of a forty-minute game. They can win. I just I'm not going to pick them to win. I think that's fair. Next uh, night, uh, makeup COVID game. Unfortunate that they jump right out with a makeup game. But in Phoenix uh, against the Suns, that is the Suns' second game of the, the, the that Lakers game is the Lakers' first game out from the break as well. Uh, there are some games that start as early as today, this Thursday. So, um, but the Lakers don't play till that game. Neither do the Pacers. So Tony, it, it's Wednesday when people will see this. Wednesday, podcast. excuse me. Yeah, the, the weeks are. Blending together for me, but there is games on Wednesday as well. Uh, the Spurs play the Mavs, at least I know for okay. sure. Okay, so the Suns, it's their second game, they're in Portland, uh, on Thursday. That's why I said Thursday. Um, so they might, you know, they, they might have some travel fatigue going on, but it's so soon out, soon out the break, it doesn't matter. Regardless, they are also really good, they are ahead of the Lakers in the standings, amazingly. Yeah, did uh, not know the Suns. Well, I mean, I did once, like they said, during the all star game or something like that, but like the Suns being the two seed is the. Probably one of the biggest surprises of the first half of the season. Like at least the the Jazz you could have maybe predicted because they've been kind of good every single year, but the Suns this good is. I was very wrong about the Suns. I full hand up. I was very wrong about the Suns, and the thing that has made me wrong about the Suns, their eighth in offense, which is expected. You have Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Aiton and good shooters and a good bench. They are third in defense, and that I did not expect at all, and that is why they're so awesome and up to second in the West. They're second in the NBA, entire NBA in that rating. Aiton is not a good defender, but he buys in a lot of games and gives them good effort. Bridges, awesome defender. Chris Paul, awesome defender. Jay Crowder has been an awesome defender. And they're getting, you know, even if Book and Cameron Johnson and some other guys aren't as strong, they get just enough from those guys and Javon Carter uh, to be just like, a very good defensive team and the, 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 you know, under, um, under Monty Williams, who's a smart defensive coach, they've really impressed me on the end of the floor. That's part of why they're amazing. And this game is going to be extremely hard. Yeah. I mean, in Chris, this, Paul, might be harder than, this might be harder than the Lakers game, right? Especially Chris Paul is doing what he's like LeBron. I mean, Chris Paul probably played till he's 60 at this rate. <laughs> no kidding. Um, but I think for X factor, I mean, you maybe have had, I maybe I'm jumping you, but I'm going to take the guy who scored 34 points to space your team two months ago and uh, Mikel Bridges who had a great game at Spacers and really that was kind of the beginning of his sort of like what would it call it like coming on the scene next level leap whatever he's made this season uh and so I don't know why they'd be able to stop him this time and he had a he fantastic so game last time 12 of 18 6 of 8 from 3 34 points in the last time in the Suns eight point against Spacers 
His second highest scoring outing of the season is 24. So he scored 10 more points than he scored in any other game in that Pacers game. And he had six of eight from three in the game. He had 24. He was also six for eight against the Pacers from deep. But I say that to, to, to just illustrate how good he was at like everything. Like he was hitting twos and putting the ball on the floor. He, he was really fantastic in that game. The Suns only won by eight. Like the Pacers actually did okay scoring against Phoenix. Uh, however, it's kind of hard. That's one of those games that's hard for me to like take a ton from because Depot played and wasn't trash. Like, you know, they're not going to get that kind of production. Aaron Holiday was also starting in this game. Uh, interesting. So that that was that era of the Pacers season. Um, but they got a really good Justin Holiday game, I recall. Uh, he, yeah, he had 17. So uh, maybe he could be a good X factor in this one. But yeah, if Bridges is awesome again, the Pacers just lose. Like it's that simple because Book's going to be awesome. Chris Paul is awesome. They're going to get you know their typical role player stuff from everybody else. If if Bridges is awesome again, it's just over. Like Aiden was not that good in Indy, and the Suns still were able to win so easily because Bridges was so good. So that's a good choice. I'm always going to pick Book because he has crazy go off potential. He didn't uh, in Indy. He was uh, nine for nineteen with twenty five points. But if he hits two more threes, you know he he was one of five. All of a sudden he's at thirty one points, uh, and it, you know he didn't make it look hard. Like he has extremely high go off potential. He didn't get to play in the all-star game. Uh, also, how does that work? He was a replacement player and then got replaced. Does he, does he get counted as an all-star? How does that work? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, I don't I don't keep track of all-star. Yeah, it's not a huge deal. First, it's not a huge I mean, it's pretty. I mean, Jermaine O'Neal made like six. Yao Ming made like five. And Yao Ming didn't really play long yeah. in the league. So, I mean, yeah. look, he had, he had a seven-point game in his career. Like, it's it's obvious his golf potential is crazy. His season highs... His season highs in his career, his rookie year was 35, and then 70, 46, 59, 44, 43. He could have a sick game at any time. Devin Booker's my butcher. He's also their best scorer by a mile. Yeah, this team got seven guys scoring double figures. That's kind of crazy. They're really good. Like, yeah, they remember we made fun of this team last year, basically, and also yeah. now they're like borderline NBA like title contenders. We gotta give James Jones uh his flowers. He made he made some good moves. Well, I mean, like, there's like, I mean, I think you and I were both calling pitchers trade for Chris Paul this year, but I wasn't going to happen because he didn't want to come here. Now, if they traded Warren for positive assets instead of negative value, they they could have more stuff to trade uh, for now because they're in the contender tier, right? They're probably the worst contender, but like they're they're at the point where they're probably buyers. They're like one player away from being legit. Like, oh damn, the Suns are awesome. So, yeah, but they don't have the salaries to buy. Exactly. Right? They're, they're in, if only they had a ten million dollar wing who could score some points. Yeah, but that right? but they needed to make the move to get. I know that's how they got Rubio. Rubio. There's a whole game here that gets. Them I know. I'm just ball, so. look. We got to do it. I know. I know. So uh, X factor wise, they don't have a ton of holes. They're they're really good. They've got great wing D between Bridges and Crowder. Uh, Chris Paul's amazing. So I think this is a very important game because Aiden's probably their worst starter, and maybe even their. They're one of their worst rotation players this year. And he's good, but he he really struggles when he's not engaged. So he's not Luca, basically. Yeah. So bonus is my X Factor. He's got to bully him all game, make him pay. Uh, and you know, his defensive assignment's gonna be tough. But if he can at least moderately slow down somebody, that'll help a lot. Right. Jay Crowder didn't uh, have an awesome game when they played earlier with Sabonis chasing him a lot of the game and uh, Sabonis himself played pretty well, 28 points, 22 rebounds, if you'll recall. So uh, he is my X Factor once again. So mine is Miles Turner. Got Same it. reasoning or similar reasoning? Similar reasoning. Um, rim defense is going to be key. So yep. basically, if you look at this team from Chris Paul up, almost everybody is shooting 60%, 60% or higher from inside three feet. They're third in the league in two point percentage. Yeah. I mean, Astute they're, observation. The coverage is 70 
78% inside three feet. I mean, I got Chris Paul is the worst in this team at 65% inside three feet. I mean, this is, this is where Turner has done one team in the past has been kind of a pest to Booker at times around the rim. I mean, this is a big game of Turner. Can he sort of make the rim um, un- uninhabitable from inside three feet, which would force him to more jump shots, which could lead to hopefully a better outcome because they don't shoot as well. And that's sort of the recipe to win this game is get the sense to shoot a bunch of threes and not, and they don't hit it at an extremely high rate. They're they're not a bad they're they're actually decent three point team but they're not like extremely high volume, um the way some other teams are I mean they're not terrible they're like at thirty I think they're thirty five a game right now. Um, you know what's interesting about their two point percentage? I'm getting yeah. way too granular for a one game. They are second from three to ten feet. So the Chris Paul floater, the Devin Booker floater, obviously money there. It's percentage not like, wise, they're that or they're in yeah they're second in, in percentage of like field goal percentage to 10 feet they are first in field goal percentage from 10 to 16 feet so another chris paul specialty shot and they are sixth in two-point percentage on long twos so shots you'd want them to take they just bury them right so that's why they're they're kind of hard to defend too is because the guys that shoot those shots are so good at them you're like oh crap we have to get on them there and then yeah but you geometry changes you know you'll live with those but still it's it's yeah because you'll get into a battle where if you can shoot up one from three it matches each one of those you know they shoot like 60 percent or oh the the pacers fans are well aware of how long two battles work right that's true we have watched (laughs) for many years they they have suffered through the the mcmillan era for at least a lot of race season wins though let's put it that way yeah, that, that this team needs some regular season wins. So I think they lose. The Suns are awesome. The Suns have already beaten the Pacers, uh, and the Pacers are worse than they were then because they don't have a starter anymore, and the Suns are probably better just because they've gelled for longer. So impossible for me not to pick the Suns. Uh, it's also a back-to-back, so uh, I picked the Suns. And it's on the weekend. I mean, all the factors say Suns win. <laughs> well, I picked against the Pacers winning. I picked the Suns beating the Pacers yesterday, so watch go against it again. I think they lose as well. With you guys. Yep. It's pretty easy. So I think the odds suggest 0 and 2, 1 and 1, very possible and would be super huge. Our weekly show next Monday, if they win either of these games, will be, you know, potentially more optimistic. But uh, there's a chance that they are 16 and 21 uh, the next time we're doing a weekly show. So hopefully they can. We we said 20 wins by the end of March. So that's that's the. That should be the team's goal, I think. Yep, 20 wins by the end of March. So we'll see. Yeah, anything else you want to throw in here? No, tomorrow we're going to do a trade deadline podcast, which I'm sure everybody would be excited for. So Everybody but me. Yes, that is true. You're the worst podcast host that's 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 out there, Tony. You know why, you know why, people, you know why people want trades? So that the team can play better in the games that we're talking about every single day. <laughs> yeah, fair games. enough. The games. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't get you, I won't get you too riled up right now. It's getting kind of ah, All right. Well, I will... Uh, we will talk about trades tomorrow and I will do my best to enjoy it and make it fun and exciting because I do like team building. I think it, that is interesting. So it'll, it'll be a fun show. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into what their strategy could be from many angles. Uh, and then Friday, we'll have a Lakers guy on to come preview that game and see how the Pacers could potentially steal a win in LA. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>